0: The Bully Girl Magazine podcast is your dog-eared audio destination, bookmarking the most compelling tales and insights from the vast canine universe. While we passionately dive in the world of bully breeds, dispelling myths, offering training tips, and discussing breed standards, our scope isn't limited. We cast our net wide to encompass a diverse range of dog breeds, ensuring no tale is left untold. Enhanced by expert interviews and inspiring stories, this podcast is a beacon for responsible ownership and breed education. It's where bully breed enthusiasts meet the broader dog-loving community, fostering unity, understanding, and shared joy in every... Bark and Wag. So whether you're out walking your dog or listening at home, enjoy the show and keep coming back. So glad you're listening or watching the Bully Girl Magazine podcast. I am so excited today. We've got the wonderful Lisa Schiller. She is the author of Borrowing Hope, and we're going to have a great conversation. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. (laughs) It's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. Okay, who is that cutie pie? Oh my gosh, what a smush.
1: This is Amber. She is 14 years old. She's a Cavalier King She's beautiful.
0: Yeah, she's a
1: sweet girl. When did you get her? So I got her 13 years ago. So I got her when she was a puppy. And um, you can see kind of the gray is coming out in the face. Yes. But she is, um, she's a sweet, she's a sweet little thing. She's surrounded by big bears, you know, Newfoundland dogs, and she bosses them.
0: So she, she keeps them in line. Well, she's absolutely precious. So the first question I ask every guest is, does your dog do something quirky, fun, or unusual that you can tell us about? And it could be any of your dogs. <laughs> um, well, one of, I mean,
1: one of my dogs loves to do water rescue training. He started that when he was really young. So we have to be really careful if anyone even jokingly screams or yells or says the word help around. right? Because when somebody says help, he, he assumes they're serious and he'll go after them and he'll try to pull them to either shore or someplace that he thinks is safe.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, no, that is interesting. Now, yeah. Lisa, when did your love of dogs begin?
1: Oh, when I was a child, I grew up with big dogs. My mother was one of those people that would, um, sorry, <laughs> if I put her down or... Yes. Or Thank you for letting us see her.
0: She's beautiful. <laughs>
1: She's a sweet girl. So yeah. um, my, my parents were the kind of family that if a dog was missing um, or they found a dog walking down the street, they brought it home. They assumed it was lost.
0: I wish I now, had that kind of
1: family. <laughs> my mom well, was afraid was, of dogs. It was before leash laws. So the problem with that is that the neighbors started to realize that when their dogs went missing, they just came to our home and oh. usually there they'd be. So um, <laughs> we, so we had, uh, St. Bernard's, Old English Sheepdogs, Great Danes, and um, mixed breeds that my mom found at a neighborhood calendar or walking down the street. Um, So I just grew up with dogs. I loved them. And cats, animals. Yeah.
0: That is so nice. Well, you start your book sharing some horrendous news. If you want to just tell us a little bit about that, Lisa. (laughs)
1: Yeah, sure. I had been um, an executive in the corporate world, traveling the world, and um, had had these headaches that just kept coming back. And and as most um, workaholics do, I kind of ignored them and pushed it to the background. And I was a single mom, too, so life was about mom being a mom and working. And um, And then one day, it had gotten so bad, I felt like the headaches were Were impeding my ability to breathe, and so um, being a responsible employee as I was, I worked through half the day, cleared my afternoon schedule for a few hours to go to a um, emergency care or urgent care, and I walked in. I saw an incredible nurse practitioner, and she's like, "You know, I think something's off here." And so she um, she booked me an emergency CAT scan, and they found a massive brain tumor that was literally crushing my brain and pushing my brain into my brainstem. So I was losing the ability to breathe, which is why I was having trouble. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. And that took you on such a long journey and that brought you to not only you love dogs, right? But the gift of a dog, you talk about an experience you had in the hospital with their therapy dog. Yeah. Tell us about that. Um,
1: well, they had just basically told me that, that I needed emergency brain surgery and mm-hmm. they didn't know if I'd make it through the day. So oh, it was, um, she's a heavy breather. That's so, um, <laughs> uh, that's the echo in the background, right? Yeah. So, um, She, they, they told me I needed emergency brain surgery. They didn't know if I'd make it um, through the day. And I was about to face a four hour ambulance ride to a hospital in another state they thought might be able to save me. And um, a nurse came in and said, you know, is there anything we can do for you? And my immediate reaction was, is there a dog in the hospital? And I couldn't think of anything else. I mean, what else are you going to ask for at a moment like that? So um, sure enough, there was a woman with a corgi and she came in, he was a therapy dog. And I wrapped my arms around that corgi. His name was Raider, And for a few minutes, kind of the whole world went still and I felt a sense of peace. Mm. And um, I I made a promise at that moment that if I survived, I would pay that gift forward by getting a therapy dog.
0: I thought that was so beautiful. Tell us about your first dog, Logan. I really enjoyed reading about him. (laughs) Logan, yeah, my
1: first (laughs) dog as an adult was- Oh, as an adult, excuse me, yes. Yeah, he, he was, when I was a, um, so, well, are you asking about the therapy dog, the first therapy dog, Chewy? No, or? I mean
0: your, your, your dog, Logan, that you oh, got. Oh, Logan, okay. Yeah. So
1: Logan um, was a tricolor Cavalier, and um, I got him as a puppy on a business trip from a pet store. You know, goodness knows what kind of background he came from. Yeah. Um, I was told he had, um, he would need surgery on both legs to, to walk. He had been not treated very well. And um, and I just fell in love with him, and I lived in the north end of Boston, and we lived right Right next to the old North Church. So oh, we nice. had this second floor window, and people would the Freedom Trail went by our window and people from around the world would walk by the window and they'd see this perfect little cavalier tricolor face <laughs> in the window. And they'd fall in love, you know, they'd fall in love. So people took pictures of him. He was in weddings. He was like a he was a little kind of model boy in Boston. Yeah. And um and he saved my life when he was about 10 months old. We were walking through the neighborhood um and he all of a sudden started freaking out. We're headed to this little store we normally go to and he started pulling me like yanking and crying and whimpering and trying to pull me in the opposite direction. And so he'd never behaved like that before, but I scooped him up and I just thought he's got to go home, take him home. So as we turned around to walk towards home, there was this huge explosion and it turned out there were gas fires burning under the streets of the old North end in Boston. And there was a manhole right where we were walking to. So the fire exploded through the manhole for like 50 feet in the air. And, um, and I swear he calmed down right then. Like, he's like, okay, everything's right with the world now. Like, he knew what he had done. Everything was okay. And we See, were See, that's fine.
0: incredible. Yeah. It's, isn't it amazing what dogs can sense
1: that we can't? Mm-hmm. They are. They're incredible. I, I have one of my therapy dogs who does, um, when he goes to the hospital, he goes straight to the point on someone's body where there's an issue if it's cancer or they're about oh. to have surgery on something, or he just seems to know where the issue is and he goes right it and tries to kiss it.
0: Oh, see, that's amazing, and I want to jump into that shortly about all of the incredible work with your therapy dogs. I like in the book you write as well. "Quote: My life was either a whirlwind of romance or utter aloneness." I, I, that really struck me. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I um I was in love with being in love. <laughs> I yeah, was somebody I who grew
1: up. <laughs> yeah, I grew up thinking that the answer was the right man, was the right yes. partner, was um, you know the um, you know the concert the the little traditional house um, and um, the picket fence, the whole dream. And so my, most of my adult life, my younger adult life was basically chasing that dream. And, um, and it brought me into a lot of relationships that were not necessarily the healthiest relationships. Um, right. yeah, and so I tended to be drawn to men who were very powerful and glamorous, and exciting. And, um, and they were always big trouble. <laughs> so oh, I would go from no. these like whirlwind romances where I was falling in love all over again and nope, this is the one to, um, Broken hearted alone. Um, hopefully, you know, when once Logan was in my life, hugging Logan, who became my, you know, steady yeah. boyfriend. <laughs> and, um, and that's kind of so it was always one extreme or
0: the other. Yeah, but I bet having Logan was so essential during that time. It really was because I didn't realize how I kept to myself, how isolated I was. But right.
1: having a, a dog in your life, um, I started taking him on walks through the neighborhood and um, meeting, meeting people I never would have met otherwise. So he became a conversation piece and it made it easy to easy to connect with people because if somebody's a dog lover... You know, you can talk about anything in the world. And, and oftentimes our dogs would find each other. So we started dog clubs in the neighborhood. We started Neighborhood Watch. We did all kinds of really cool things with our dogs. And it was, so he, he fulfilled my life in a way I, I hadn't expected.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Talk to us about some of the things that you went through after your surgery and how you had to adjust to a new you, really, new life. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think
1: that the toughest thing is that we, we don't realize how in our lives we, we label ourselves. And for me, my, I thought my primary label was mom and it was definitely my most important label, no question. Um, and daughter and sister. Um, but it was also executive and vice president and, and successful and, you know, and, um, I didn't realize how much those labels meant to me, but after my brain surgery, I, I, it was, it was a tough road. I mean, I had to learn how to walk again. I had to learn how to talk, how to read and write again. Everything came very, um, it was literally helping the brain rebuild pathways that had been connected. I got a new hairstyle. Yeah. I had, yeah. had the same hairstyle for like my entire life. So it took a brain tumor to get bangs. Um, but it, <laughs> that's, you know, you got
0: to make a bumper sticker. It took a brain tumor to get bangs. To that bangs. is the best, yeah. Lisa.
1: Uh, What can you do? You know, there was a big scar. I had to do something. So um, in fact, the surgeon called it the headband scar because they know that's, the hair would grow out and you could wear a headband until until it grew over. But right. yeah. So it um it was just life was life was different. I couldn't process information the same way. I had been really intelligent and my brain could, you know, I could handle and juggle like ten ten things at once, really complex things. And um and things just moved slower in there. And I it took it took a while. It was traumatic brain injury from the brain tumor. And so it, it really took a little while to process information i did race back to work two months after brain surgery um with a headband and um and i tried to go back to that corporate life but it just wasn't the same fit it didn't mean as didn't mean the same things anymore that it used to because life when when life is almost taken from you um, you look at changes your perspective about everything. You know, there was one thing I had to live for and that was my daughter. Um, it was maybe to see her married and definitely see her happy one day. Um, and I had adopted her from India. She was, when she was just five years old. And, um, and so seeing her have a happy life and, and be cared for was, was the only thing I was really living for at that point.
0: You know, this, this really so hard to read. And I feel I felt so bad you write quote, How are you today? Someone would ask. And what would my answer be? My brain feels like it has been blown to pieces and it's intensely on fire. I'm a blob who can barely move, but I answer that I was okay. Hanging in and getting better. Do you feel like that's what people want to hear versus really the truth? They don't want to hear that you're feeling like crap or beyond? (laughs) I think think that's when you figure out who your real friends are. Yes.
1: So your real friends hear that I'm fine. And they take one look at my face and they say, I don't think so. Like what's really going on, right. and um, and then those that don't want to hear, which is a large percentage of the population. I love how she's just she just makes herself she's comfortable. So right cute here, um, <laughs> is you know, and then the rest of the population, yeah, they they don't they don't want to know. So it's it's figuring out that balance. Um, and I got to a place where I actually on social, I went on social media finally because so many people were checking in on me, and and I put the worst picture of myself out there with my mm-hmm. head wrapped up and black eyes and swollen face. And I had always cared about the way I looked. And I had to strip that away and be naked in, in ugliness or natural disaster um, mm-hmm. to be comfortable with myself again, in front of anybody. So oh, wow.
0: now how long did that last that you were feeling like your brain had been blown to pieces and on fire and a blob that can barely move?
1: The log part uh, went away after, I would say, about six weeks. Um, my face had just swollen up and it, mm-hmm. it looked like I didn't really have the same face anymore. Um, that came down over time. Um, the There was a, a lot of noise in my head. I could feel my brain almost moving around, so crackling and, and all this stuff going on. And that lasted for about six weeks. Um, but the un- unfortunately, the pain, I still have pain on a daily basis. That's um, There was so much shifted around up there and, and yeah. scar tissue from the tumor and everything else. So I deal with daily head pain. And and I've just come to recognize what my new normal is, that that's just, you know, it's, it's kind of my price of survival. I'm, I'm here, I'm alive, I get to live this great life. Um, and the side ticket is I have some pain I have to deal with. So
0: sure. Yeah. And you've done so much for so many other people. I want to talk about Chewbacca, Chewy. <laughs> you- Chewy. I love what you wrote. Uh, Quote, he seemed to know what I needed better than I knew myself. When I experienced weakness, he would push into me as if to guide me to the nearest chair. He would awaken me when nightmares of my diagnosis ravaged my sleep, his head resting on the bedside, nudging me awake and then licking my face until my breathing slowed and I can rest peacefully again. He would walk beside me as I climbed the stairs or grew tired of walking through the house. He, you go on and it's, it's just so beautiful. And you say, who would have known that this dog we gotten for serving others would end up helping me in ways well beyond anything I could have dreamed or imagined. So tell us the story of Chewy. Chewy, um, first of all, he's massive. So <laughs> Newfoundlands are,
1: are, are, big dogs. They're giants, right. they're gentle giants, yeah. but Chewy just kept growing. So Chewy actually grew <laughs> to about, he's about the height. He's a foot taller than the average Newfie. He oh, is. Wow. Yeah. He's a big boy and he, <laughs> um, he's a big boy. He is, um, doesn't weigh a whole lot, but he filled out. So he is, he's about 160 pounds right now. Oh my gosh. Um, and yeah, he, from the time he was pretty young, he knew something was different with me. And so he was protective, but not in a protective aggressive way. Like some dogs are like stay away from her kind of thing. Right. Instead, it was more like he was constantly focused on my eyes and my head. And And he was just, oh, when the pain got real, because the pain used, it has gotten better over the years. I mean, it's, I've Mm -hmm. gotten used to it, but it, um, in those, in that first six months, it was, it was brutal from morning till night. It was, it was hard to function. And so, um, he was, he would lean his head into me and just like put this gentle pressure against my head as if, um, he knew he couldn't make it go away, but he could ease it. So he had this intuitive ability that um was just healing and gentle and yet he's this his head is like is huge you know and he's got this crazy hair everywhere and um and everywhere we go people would you know once we started going out in public and started doing yeah. work people would scream his name they would pull cars over and jump out to take pictures of him because he looked like Chewbacca
0: <laughs> now you had had these beautiful King Cavalier dogs that are pretty small and sit on your lap. What was it about Newfoundlands or newfs, as you call them, that yeah. attracted you? Um,
1: when when I, we first decided, my daughter and I, that it was time to, um, to get another dog, to add a dog to the family, um, the question became, do we get another Cavalier or, you know, do we go big? And the reason we started thinking about big is we started thinking about if that small dog, that tiny dog, that Corgi could have that kind of impact on me. Imagine what a giant dog could do. Oh, so we really started zeroing into the giant breeds, and um, a friend of mine had uh, Joanne and her husband Nick had had this these dogs Woody and and Plato that that were. Beautiful, beautiful Newfoundlands, and so one day she she found out that I was researching breeds, and she's like, "Whoa, whoa, stop the presses! You should be thinking. Remember how much you loved these dogs, like giant bears? This is what <laughs> this is what you need." And so we started researching them, and when we found out that they were naturals in um, in water rescue, and they were one of the oldest rescue dogs alive, we thought, "Well, it doesn't hurt to have a dog who knows how to do rescue." We're living in South Carolina, and we're surrounded by ocean, yeah. so we thought um, that's kind of cool. We thought it would be really neat to have a water rescue dog that could also do this therapy work. So it was it became a no-brainer.
0: Yeah, I also like that you write. One thing that people who are attracted to noofs need to accept is that they are droolers and Chewy is no exception. I have tr- I feel like a jerk, but I'm just dogs that drool of any kind. It's like, ah so how do you handle <laughs> Well, I was the same way
1: before, okay. and I was—I was, I was like—I would see other people's dogs drool, and I would cringe. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, we thought how we—we we really thought about how we're going to deal with this, and—and um, and it became about the dogs. So we, we came to understand the drool. So the thing is, they drool because they save people. So their jowls have uh, to okay. basically, when they go to save someone, their jaws wrap around someone, and it seals, and wow. the seal keeps them so they can swim without swallowing water, and they breathe through. Their nose, so they get That's make amazing. this whistling sound. So it's their body is literally built for rescue. And once we understood, because we heard, hey, there's some breeders out there that are breeding the drool out of newfies, and we were like, oh. well, what does that mean? And it means that they're breeding out the jaws. But then if they don't have jowls, they're not newfies. They're not right. capable of rescuing people. Right. So once we got that, and once we participated in a water rescue exercise, and a dog was pulling us to shore, and we we heard the whistling sound of their of their breathing, then we understood. And so then the first time Chewy drooled, we measured it and we celebrated
0: it. (laughs) Do you happen to have like a handkerchief on the time or a little towel that you carry There are always
1: towels everywhere. (laughs) And 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 bibs. We keep bibs on the dogs. So whenever we go out to something special or we go to do therapy work, they have a bib. They wear a bib. Um, We have drool cloths. My house is full of towels in all hidden places. And whenever company comes, there's always like, just as one of the dogs is about to approach them, I'm like, like, I always point out where, where their closest towel is. So someone's right. ready to grab it. Um, <laughs> That's a good and there's the big shake. They shake their heads and duck.
0: Yeah. You know? <laughs> now talk to us about the therapy work that you, he became your service dog. Right. And then he did, he did, right. he did, which I, I
1: definitely had not signed up for or expected. Um, but it became clear to me that the pain was worse when he wasn't with me. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he was, he became my service dog, but I was still committed to the therapy work that was critical. So yeah. when he, a dog can't become therapy registered formally, um, until they're a year old. So okay. he spent the first year of his life in training. We did a lot of in depth, in depth intense training. And, and, um, we actually did training with Petco. We, we found out they had a program. I started him at the very beginning and we just went all through, um, um, and then he became a, he became registered therapy dog right after he turned one.
0: Yeah, oh, that's great. You know, life is never linear. I, I, I loved your candidness in the book, quote, I found myself swinging back and forth from excitement for the future and the service work that awaited me to sinking into a dark hole of depression and hopelessness. unsure of where I belong in the world and wondering who I would be.
1: I wrote that.
0: Thank beautiful. you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it was, I battled some, I battled
1: some very deep depression because sure. again, the labels, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I fit in in the world. Um, I didn't realize that success and being successful meant something to me or how much it meant to me. And so I had left my job in corporate America and, and um, was focused on the therapy work and, and really trying to learn how to survive, um, as the new person that, that I had become. Yeah. Um, as, you know, balancing the pain. I can't get through a whole day without taking a few hours rest. And I never know when I'm going to need to, it's, it's, I literally reach a point where everything kind of closes in on me. It's like the gray kind of starts to close and I know my brain's stopping to work and I need to rest. Um, and so it was, um, it was, it was a juggle. It took listen, I'm a big one for therapy, um, me medication, too. whatever it takes, oh, like, yes. you know, um, fall, I think that there's too many, um, there's too many negative feelings around mental health in America. And, Absolutely. um, it is, um, and the reality is, especially the way, you know, the world is right now, there's a lot of people battling stress and anxiety and, and mental health issues. And, and for me, she would helped he helped bring me out of it. Um, but the service work that we did when I was focused on helping somebody else right. and I saw the joy they got patting Chewy or connecting with him, or even I shared my story openly with people on the book, the yeah. book became, a, you know, that became a mission that kept me going the first couple of years because I felt like if I could share this story and help someone else, that it makes my story. Um, it, it gives it a reason. I know yes. that there's a reason why I've gone through this because it's helping somebody else.
0: Right. And I love too, that you talk about this mission together uh, of a mutual desire to help people who suffer from trauma and illness and talk to us about Newfoundland dog pet therapy or Newfoundland. Yeah. New, new therapy. <laughs> I just really have to laugh because my autocorrect made it Newfoundland. I'm like, wait, what? I know, I know. That's okay. It's, it's, you know, we, people, people call it Newfoundland. They call it new- Newfoundland. Newfoundland. They do my, my. Isn't breeders, that a place in Newfoundland?
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's up there, right? It's up there. It's cold. Right. It's beautiful,
0: but um, yeah. And so, uh, let's see, where, what was the question? Oh, I was, I was like, talking about how you help people with trauma and illness, and then the Newfoundland uh, pet therapy, it, yeah. dog pet therapy was born. Yeah,
1: animal therapy, you know, I, I knew the dogs made me feel better, so yeah, I just could see the impact. But then mm-hmm. I actually started doing the research and looking at the evidence, and um, they lower blood pressure, they, um, they lower the perception of pain. So that people who are reliant on pain medicine or susceptible to opioid abuse um, will use less painkillers if they're if they have a dog in their life. Um, so we we saw kind of all the impact that had, and um, I had become really close to Chewy's breeders. They were one of the they're one of the top breeders in the country of Newfoundland's, and they um, Newfoundland see I got it there.
0: <laughs> and, uh, Is
1: that right? Yeah, and um, and we had become really really we developed a a real closeness. They became like an extended family for me, and um, and they have anyone who's one of gets one of their puppies they always they have high expectations like you're gonna show this dog you're going to work with them you're gonna do water therapy water i mean water rescue and therapy so um so we were spending a lot of time in getting to know this whole new community of of animal lovers that were they were new people and they were working with their dogs doing therapy and, and water rescue training and and so they became this new community for us it just opened up this whole new world and one day um My friend, Patty, was sitting on, uh, who's one of the breeders of of Timbernell, Newfoundlands, um, was sitting on her back porch with me. And she said, so what are you going to do now? Corporate America's, you left it behind. You are questioning what you want to do with your future and and what's your dream. And um, I said, you know, it's really weird, but I have this dream of a place called Coat where people and animals who have suffered come together and help each other heal. And she got really emotional. And she said, you know, 20 years ago, I started a therapy program in a high school and helped kids who were at risk um, find their confidence so they could live a healthy life and graduate. And so she and I really connected on that level. And then um, her, her business partner and partner in life is a retired Olympian who's one of the best dog trainers in the country. And so oh, she's a working, working dog judge and she's, um, she's amazing. And so the three of us started Timbernell, Spirit Cove, um, and Nufi wow. Therapy and launched this Newfie Therapy program. Amber's going to start to bark in a second. That's okay. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we started the program and now we've got 80 teams in 21 states working and another hundred teams in, in preparation to get registered.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. You must be so proud. (laughs) That is such an incredible accomplishment, Lisa. It's been,
1: it's been amazing. It's, it's, it's given me a whole new mission in life. It's given me a whole new
0: purpose. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Should I grab her? Yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, dogs, it's a dog (laughs) we understand. That's me. Right. It's amazing. oh, I just go. want to kiss her. She's, she's back. She's like God. don't she's, forget about me. That's right. She's so beautiful. She's such a sweet girl. I love how she gets gray. You see, we get more beautiful as we age. That's right. Oh, she's stunning. Character. Yeah, she is absolutely stunning. So recently, I got something from you. You got you sent me this great impact report, spreading hope and healing. And you talked to us about Apollo, and he joined the Duke Cancer Center on their first official new life therapist in Durham, North Carolina. Tell us about this.
1: Yeah, I mean that is that's Duke saved my life. So mm-hmm. Duke is a place where I arrived by ambulance, and um, nobody thought I had a chance of surviving. And the brain tumor center there, um, they they operated, they, they saved me and they gave me a new lease on life. And so I used to think, God, if even though I don't live in that part of North Carolina, I live in South Carolina, I thought it would be really amazing to be able to help the patients there, but also the doctors and the nurses and the healthcare workers, because they're working with battling critical illness every day. And so the stress that they're under is just so intense. And, um, and so one of our volunteers who happens to be a surgeon himself, he mm-hmm. works at another hospital. He's an anti surgeon. And, um, he has a terminal. A, he's a terminal newbie, Apollo. And um, when he heard that we were trying to help uh, the Duke Cancer Center build up their therapy dog team, th- because they, they used to have a team, but after COVID, a lot oh, of therapy yeah. animals retired or passed, unfortunately. Um, and so he offered to go through their process and and start working with them. And and he's doing amazing work there. Yeah, he goes to their uh, their infusion labs, so where people are getting chemotherapy, and he and Apollo sit with people while they're going through their that. chemo.
0: You know, one of the things that breaks my heart so much is that my mom was chronically ill. She had some botched knee surgeries in the early 70s, and she was always in pain, and she'd spend most of her time in bed, other than when she would go swimming. That was like the one thing she could do without pain. And she was afraid of dogs. And I just think, God, it would have changed her life if she had a dog, any dog sitting on her bed with her, leaning into her, having her cuddle and she died in 1995 and i have dreams that she's met my dogs and loves my dogs and then i wake up and i'm like damn it it's just i just wish she knew you know she just didn't know all the benefits i think i think you just answered that i think she does know you yeah, so. know that's
1: what those that's what those dreams are telling you i believe that
0: oh i really like that yeah. so your dogs go to, do they go to like hospitals, nursing homes, like Mm -hmm. tell us all the different places they go.
1: So, um, we do a lot of work with veterans. So veterans retirement homes, um, veterans events. We do a tremendous amount of work with first responders. So firefighters, EMT, um, police officers. Um, we started that, and and a lot of work with healthcare workers. Um, before COVID struck, when we were we were going to hospitals primarily at that point, and we started um, we started seeing the, the nurses and the doctors coming out of the back rooms and the radiologists, and they were just like they were they were just like leaning into Chewy. And um, and on the way home from the hospitals, we'd see a fire station. I go, oh, we have a few more minutes in us. Let's stop at the fire station. Same thing. The firefighters would come out, and they would just they would just fall into him and. Um, and I've seen quite a few first responders that just put their head against his and start crying. You know, mm-hmm. they just, it's like the trauma they've lived through comes through. But these are the last people that ask for help. Right. So we started putting more and more time into going to these stations, these first responder stations, and, um, and meeting with, and specifically scheduling visits at hospitals for healthcare workers. And um, so when COVID hit, we were already in a place where when all these organizations had to shut down because the hospitals were shut down, you couldn't go in there. We already had these relationships with these critical first line folks. So we just kept getting out there and meeting with them and we started um, really encouraging our volunteers to do the same. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to have just an amazing impact throughout COVID and after the pandemic. And and now we do a lot of work with these frontline heroes and we're doing a lot of work with teachers. Um, teachers mm-hmm. are, because of gun violence in our country, because yes. of mental health among young, young adults and teens and adolescents being, through, you know, just a, it's it's a really scary time for a lot of these individuals. And since social media has grown, there's so many positives. But then yes. you have some of that ugliness that hides behind the screen. And so, um, so we're doing more work with kids that are at risk and with teachers who are on the front lines dealing with them
0: right now who would you say would be a good candidate to get a new fee as a pet what are some things you need to consider <laughs> other than the drool and their size oh uh, the drool's a big one so I mean you gotta
1: I, I say the first thing to do is is find somebody with a new fee and mm-hmm. see how it feels okay. um they do take a lot of grooming you know they have a lot of hair they don't shed like like a lot of other dogs do they okay. don't walk and just like Like my
0: lab it's insane (laughs) yeah
1: and labs come from newfies by the way so so you have a part newfie there you go nice (laughs) if you feel his feet you might feel his webs yeah he may have webs there so newfies by the way with their um One of the cool things, they don't swim dog paddle like other dogs. So they have this genetic, in their memory, this genetic, they have these web feet and they swim this really powerful breaststroke. It's like a single breaststroke. So they're strong enough to pull boats, to pull several people. And um, so if you're someone who likes the idea of working with an animal because I think they're happier when they're working and you can see yourself out there doing, swimming with them or teaching them how to pull a cart, things like that. Um, Someone who's going to really that enjoys spending a lot of time with their animals. Newbies cannot be alone. They are really connected to their people and they they get depressed when they're not with their people they're you know if you're if you're someone that doesn't like the idea of your dog getting up on your couch I knew probably isn't with you because they're giant and they'll take up the whole couch so (laughs) um so they are I think people see them and they're so in awe of their massive size and then their gentle spirit that they immediately think "Ah, I want one But the reality is um, the rescues are full of them that have been turned over because Mm -hmm. people don't have the time to put into the grooming and the care and and the working with the animals. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's so important. You know, you really have to know your lifestyle and then decide what kind of dog that you want to get. Lisa, was there anything that we didn't cover that you were hoping we talk about today? And of course, I want to get all the ways to find you. You are um, uh, been amazing. Thank you. I mean, I almost <laughs> want to go back and read my own book. I'm like, I don't it's really
1: good. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> I recommend uh, it. Borrowing Hope. It's so, so good. Hope. So moving. Yeah, yeah no, mm. I, I mean, I, I encourage everybody who, um, there are a lot of great breeds out there that are, can make great therapy dogs. And um, the satisfaction I've gotten from therapy work, the joy I get from it is is incredible. And I think I meet a lot of people who ask the question, how do you get into it? How does, how do you start? Um, We do on our website have a page for volunteers and it's just not, it's not just for newbies. If you're interested in learning about therapy work, it doesn't take a lot. It takes, you know, giving them some good solid training and uh, teaching them the basics. If they have a gentle personality and they don't fly off the handle or they're not aggressive, you know, then it's something that, that many dogs can do. So I really encourage people to consider it as a path to helping their communities you don't have to put a lot of time into it. It could be something I have people that all they do is they stop by their neighborhood fire station or they stop by their neighborhood library and they sit with their dogs and they let little kids read books to their dogs. They do reading programs. So, nice. so there's a million different ways to help your community with with your animal. And um, I just want to encourage people that there's, you know, life is tough. Life is hard at times. And um, you, when you're, when you're helping somebody else and you're focused on their problems instead of your own. The joy, you find yourself feeling more joyful and the stress goes away. So it is something that can bring joy to, I think, almost anyone's life.
0: Yeah, my pit bull blue would be the best therapy dog because he's very sweet, he's very calm, he's very gentle. You could have a group of twenty kids around and poking him and prod him, he's just going to sit there. He's very well. There you go. But he I be- worry about the stigma, but then I feel like, but I got to break it, right? I mean, that's the whole thing. Oh, I'm- listen, one of the first therapy dogs I
1: met was a pit bull.
0: Um, Aww, yeah, so one happy. of the
1: very first ones in Boston. It was a woman who had a, a pit bull, and American Staffordshire, is it? I think. Right. And um and and her, I think he was nine years old and had been doing therapy work for seven. Seven years. So, so definitely don't let
0: that stigma, you know, scare you away. All right. Yeah. You know, I thought about Benji, but the problem with Benji, my lab, is he's super mouthy and we've tried everything. So, when he meets you, he'll literally put his mouth on your hand. He doesn't bite down, but it's very off putting. And I'm not bringing him to an elderly place where he's like, (laughs) well, um, I'll tell you now that's a newbie trait. Oh, is it? And it's a newbie trait. And what it is is because
1: my dogs will come up and they will, they'll mouth, they'll put their mouth on someone's arm. It's because they want to save them, they want to pull them to safety so it's a way of showing affection it's very gentle it is as long as what i tell people is if he does that the one just don't go to pull your arm out you might get a scratch and so just wait and he'll release and so you teach them to
0: release but that's actually a very affectionate yeah oh i didn't know why is he always doing this to people a lot of people get annoyed they don't want the dogs it's it's love it's love
1: it's It's like oh my god this is great okay benji i'll
0: give you a break i'm like Here you you are yeah. so great. All right, Lisa, tell us all the ways we can find your wonderful book and all the great work you're doing with Thank next. you.
1: So uh, Amazon. Uh, Barring Hope is on Amazon. I also have a few children's books. Um, so Chewy the Newfie uh, to the Rescue and Chewy the Newfie of course to uh, The Mystery <laughs> of the Holiday Bells. I've got some stress relieving coloring books out there for children and adults. So they're all on Amazon under under Lisa Schiller and then um, and then our website. So newfietherapy.org um, N-E-W-F-I-E therapy.org um, There's tons of information out there. There's a children's page with lots of free printouts and information about Newfies for Kids. Um, if anybody wants to learn more about therapy work, they can go to our volunteer page and there's links and information about doing therapy work there. So whatever breed they have, um, check it out. And of course we are, we're working towards establishing the first therapy ranch, animal therapy ranch that's focused oh on gosh. giant dogs. So we, we are in the process of buying land in Henderson, Hendersonville, North Carolina, right outside of Asheville, 16 acres. And we're going to have up to 15 Newfoundlands living on the ranch and four gypsy vanner horses.
0: Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to be
1: doing therapy work out of the center in the whole Western North Carolina area, but we're also going to be using it as a national training center to help people and train people with therapy dogs, and especially with a focus on newbies across the country.
0: Yeah. Wow. Lisa, that is so incredible. I really admire you and just the work that you're doing is fabulous. I want to thank everyone for coming to the Bully Girl Magazine podcast. You can learn more about me by going to at Lisa Davis MPH. Be sure to follow at Bully Girl Mag. Go to the app store, or Google Play and get the Bully Girl app. Go to BGMWarehouse.com. They've got great merch there and you want to subscribe to the magazine. The magazine is amazing. Anyway, everyone have a great day and thanks so much for listening and or watching. Please. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you.